And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. We're talking about disguises, fear, and we're going to have a little bit of fun um, in the United States and in other parts of the world. It is Halloween today. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. Larry, Looking good. I am uh, that that is custom made. This was a custom made surprise jacket for me. Uh, they're not on the show today, but uh, two of my fan friends in um, the Phoenix area, Phoenix, Tucson area, James and, and Scotty um, did this. And I've only worn it once. It's supposed to be a Hawaiian shirt Starfleet uh, next gen. So I feel like that's something Neelix would really approve of. And yeah. Tom Paris probably too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very much for the, it was, I've worn it once late night at STLV and that's all it's gotten. But, uh, I thought, well, sure, I'll grab it today. No one's I love seen it. it really. So there you go, including me. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, Jesse says it's very much a Tuvix like uniform. Tuvix, mm-hmm. one of my favorite episodes of Voyager. Wow. Don't put um, me in the transporter. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. If we could get a Lair- Larry? No, that's not a good combination of Ollie and Larry. Larry. If we could get an Larry creative. Yeah. Yeah. In a transporter, I think our audience might actually like that host better than the two of us. Uh, probably. Um, probably. Yeah. <laughs> don't, t- don't touch your dial or us. No, no. Hi, everyone. So we are talking about Disguises, Fear, and Fun. Um, Let us know in the comments section, what's your favorite episode of Star Trek that involves a disguise or some type of spooky fun? Let us know. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one. Larry, if this is uh, people's uh, first time here at uh, Life Support Live, what the heck is going on? Well, we always dress in costume. No. <laughs> we would uh, run out of costumes very quickly. <laughs> no, hey, everybody. Welcome. If you're one of our community, if you're one of the veterans, you see people are already in the chat. I hope you've got your chat window open, uh, whatever platform you're on. And if you're new to Live Support Live, hey, welcome. Um, we're just trying to boldly go through uncertain times. That's what we do. We did it starting with the corona time. We did it after this was going to be a panel at a, con- a cancel convention at WonderCon. And we thought, why, why not just keep it going? Let's just be uncertain every week <laughs> and more <laughs> and more reassured. But no, no, we t- we look at Star Trek through a mental health lens or we look at mental health through a Star Trek lens. Yeah, we do geek out. We have a lot of fun. Um, both of us met. Dr. Ali is actually the real doctor that's going to try to give you a takeaway for the day. Uh, I might stumble in and do something helpful, too. Who knows? <laughs> And uh, but I will have a K three factor for you um, by the end of the show, which is a deep dive into our topic of the week, 
Do we have a? Do we have a? T- oh yes, we do. Do we have a topic of the week? Yes, we. Wait, why is my frame? Not <laughs> well, yeah, we do, Larry. We have. Oh, there is. Okay, I was getting a cutoff frame. Look, we have a. <laughs> and by the end of the show, feel free to jump in. But jump in on chat anytime. Yeah. But at the end of the show, hailing frequencies, you see it over there. We have a Skype address. You can come. Yes, I know it's Skype, but you can come in and join us by audio only. Or phone, or video phone. Uh, join us on the view screen here if you want yep. to at the end of the show. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, absolutely. Anyway, so yeah. yes, a little, a little more light. I don't know how it's more. How Ollie, I don't know how it's possible to be any more lighthearted today, but we're gonna be. With <laughs> than last week. Last week, I think was we set the bar high for lighthearted. That was a ton of fun. Um, so let's 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 enter. <laughs> I see what you did there, Larry. Uh, let's open up the uh, briefing room. So we're going to dive in. So as we've been doing for uh, for a while now, since Star Trek Lower Decks came out, uh, we take each week's episode as inspired by some aspect of the new Star Trek that we all watched this week. Uh, this week's episode is Season 3, Episode 3 of Star Trek Discovery yeah. called More People Now than during uh, Lower Decks, I should say. Yeah, more yeah, 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 absolutely. Lower Decks was uh, uh much more uh in some ways easier, in some ways harder. Uh, I don't know. Uh maybe Discovery's a little bit harder. I don't know, who knows. But we're going to have um a little bit of a non-spoiler discussion of this episode and then like launch into a larger discussion um and <laughs> It, this was a very late minute discovery, no pun intended, on our part, but there was a Halloween and Star Trek and current day connection in this episode because it involved a little bit of a disguise. Now, we can't get way into details about what happened because that would be, it kind of happens towards the end of the episode. But Larry, I, I'd love, I'd love your take on this episode, um, just a little bit to give us a sense of, of what you thought of, uh, People of Earth. Well, I started to say my take. Well, I can, and I'll do that non-spoiler. But I just want to say that we there's there's pluses and minuses ever since we latched onto this idea of pulling our theme inspired by, and then we, of course yeah. we apply all the rest of Star Trek to it. We're, this is not new show centric at all. We're just taking that as a jumping off point, and we kind of went around and around trying to. I mean, the outside world doesn't care. They just they just dissect the show, the episode. And we were trying to come up with a coherent theme and not have it be too wobbly too much. But anyway, no, basically it's, it's, uh, this, I think fandom at large is kind of agreeing with me in that these shows all seem more coherent and tighter and more like a Star Trek. I love the fact that the bridge crew is getting a lot to do, even though sometimes it feels like a yeah. token scene. But there are some moments in bigger scenes where it's, oh my God, they're letting Detmer and actually like, act like human beings and not like just, you know, automatons up there. <laughs> just keep pressing buttons. Just keep pressing. Don't stand up. Oh my God, don't stand up. Only real people stand up and move around. Just keep, you know. So, and as far as the, the major plot lines, uh, it was uh, interesting. We had a new character added this week uh, that's supposedly going to be around. One might be leaving. I was confused about David Ayala, but I think he's around the rest of the season. But no, I... um. And it was very interesting to me, and I don't think this is too spoiler, that they kept, even after a year, even I thought they were teasing you the other way. Maybe that was just a promo tease, the way it was edited. But they made a very big point about about Book and uh, Michael's 
year together being platonic, which was interesting yes. to me. Yeah. Uh, but then, no, Saru just being Captain Lee all the time, it's official now, at least for a while. It's official now until it's not anymore that Saru's Captain, for all intents and purposes. That's intense and purposes. Not in, not tense and purposes, everybody. But, Although we could have tenses and purposes in Star Trek. Yeah. No, I just thematically it felt satisfying, and uh, the ending. <laughs> I saw the promo pictures, and the ending. I thought it just was a total throwback to uh, Strange New World on Enterprise, and I said that, and people were like, "What do you mean?" The thing, like, no, no, no. The fact that it was so shocking to see the character, even though it was the front bridge crew. Um, like a token moment for them, but it was very satisfying. Tilly and the crew, but it was uh, the green grass and white open sunshine of Earth uh, threw me back to Strange New Worlds on Enterprise because it was such a big deal. And no, it wasn't a plot moment, but the fact that they're jumping around on green. Green is not a palette color <laughs> of any modern Star Trek, of any Star Trek. We since rarely was- see that. Yeah, we right, rarely well, see grass and green. green. Yeah. Yeah, I um, anyway, um I had a I had a lot of fun watching this episode and uh this episode more than many we've seen in a long time felt very Star Trek in that there was some real world commentary and connection to our modern day. In fact, we were thinking about that real world connection as our theme mm-hmm. for this week uh, until until we had a last minute <laughs> substitution where like, wait, we could talk about disguises. It's Halloween and we could have a little bit of fun. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I enjoyed how there was um, some real uh, easy to find social commentary there you know, mm-hmm. with what's going mm-hmm. on in the world right now. So I um, I mean, so far for me, I feel like this season has been very much warp speed ahead. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it and I enjoy some of the a lot of the character development that's happening, especially with Michael and Saru, I think there's been some great character mm-hmm. development, and I'm very much enjoying the new people we're getting to see too. Um, it's great to see uh, the dynamics playing out. I think uh, I think the 39th century is turning into a very interesting place. Um, 32nd? Did I say 39? It's a 32nd, right? Um, did I just do a time jump in my head? I, I think I, you I, did. And I didn't even notice. You look, there was no shift. Um, <laughs> well, and and we could spend uh, we could spend a lot of time talking about this. But Larry, I, I really want to talk about disguises, fear, and fun with you here today. Um, our chat section <laughs> has already had a ton of great <laughs> episode suggestions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to disguises, fear, and fun, um, what sticks out to you from uh, from the original series? Well, that's, like I said, the easiest thing of all here is the original series. And there's two that come to mind right off. Yeah. One of them, the whole plot revolves around it is, uh, you know, good old Corbomite Maneuver and Baylock the Puppet and Baylock, you know, and Baylock the Clint Howard. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, come on, every, you know, right. <laughs> and it, was also, it was, it was also someone now in our episode this week. I don't know if, well, I guess it was. I, they didn't resolve if the disguise in question was about intimidation or if it was some kind of um, – which I guess it had to be intimidation. It wasn't some kind of life support like they ripped off Darth Vader's mask or something and you saw the pipes and tubes there. But uh, So I guess it was – and that was the same thing with Baylock. That's, you know, that's a classic one. 
And what's the other one I sent you? Uh, it was a long night. Um, <laughs> I put them um, together. I actually did you a side by side. Why don't yes. you just pop it up there? Anyway, I had two from the original series. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you, yes. <laughs> you put it up there. I said, can you put it up there? I did. I am. That's Baylock. I don't have another one. Are you sure? I'm pretty okay. sure. I mean, I can put up Discovery. Oh, well, we didn't talk about do Discovery first. There we go. Is that too yeah. for everybody? Yeah. No, I don't think we, we okay. got into the... Um... Oh, 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 yeah, I do have another one. Sorry, Larry. Sorry, there we go. I was just... It was, it was disguised. And this one is actually... Um... Let me make it a little bit bigger for us. Yeah, let's... Yeah, help them out. They need all the size they can get. Now, this was, I remember when I was a kid, this was so ingenious to me. And yeah, the second or third time I saw the strings on the puppets, although now they've been, they've been removed in the remaster. But Sylvia and Cora, and this was the token Halloween episode even. I mean, Baylock wasn't. This was second season. And, uh, you know, the black cat, which I didn't put the black cat in, but, um, they're using tropes of Halloween to intimidate people. But just taking a human form with a magic wand. The transmuter, not to be confused, the transstater, <laughs> because a transmuter mutes and a transstater states, apparently. But the, yeah, but the Pyrus 7 extragalactic, wherever they're from, the fact that they were tiny and made themselves bigger. Size was a big thing in, uh, uh, in Star Trek. But no, those are, to me, those are like the two classic, uh, you know, examples. And if you, and if, you know, you could even say the Kelvins, but the Kelvins were more about ease of, of dealing with their human captives, not so much about trying to. I think being snaky reptilianish, you know, uh, tentacle beings, a little bit like uh, the Galaxy Quest Thermians in real life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That would have been far more intimidating than just more humanoids looking, but uh, that was more practicality. So anyway, that, but I think that's the original series. We have some more here in the chat, I'm sure. But, yeah, uh, we've got. I was, I was scanning for TOS examples. Libby says um, the trouble with Tribbles um, definitely uh, disguised there um, with our oh, yeah, undercover yeah, yeah. Klingon. Um, uh, the Enterprise incident. Um, something Scott is saying here. Um, what's better than Kirk with pointy ears, or anyone with pointy ears for that matter? Oh. Well, and again, again, we had this theme, and I said, we keep getting these, we're trying to take episodes and come up with a theme that's both, and guys, if you, you know, we've had some discussion about this lately, and we've had, now that we've got, uh, we have our wonderful page, by the way, if you're new to life support, uh, don't forget to go over and look at our Facebook page, too, we have a lot of great group discussion there, but this whole thing about how do we wrap our arms around a topic this week because it could wobble and ooze anywhere. And are we yeah. talking about personal? Are we talking about cultural? Like the whole planet is trying to pass itself, you know, or is it, is it self-defense? Is it to be offensive? Is it to be sneaky like diplomatic? You know, Arne Darwin was a spy. So of course spies are going to disguise. Um, spies are going to disguise. Yeah. Spies are going to disguise. So, you know, we in the end, we just set off, you know, crap, it's it's Halloween. Uh, let's just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, whether, um, like, you know, well, it's survival mode or whether it's just to be sneaky. Uh, we'll take it all this week. You know, you know. Victoria says uh, City on the Edge of Forever, which is, um, you know, it's such a minimal disguise. Um, it's more um, it's more a false pretense than it is really a sky. I guess Spock is disguised. 
Um, his ears are disguised in the same right. way as they are in Star Trek Four: The Voyage Four. Home. Right, right. Um, just, Famously, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a that's a great example here. Um, Enterprise incident. Uh, Stewart is agreeing with over here. Um, do, 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 do. I'm trying to skip all the the later stuff because we're just oh we're doing car- okay chronological yeah. Yeah, so let's let's I'm get sorry, into. I'm sorry, chat. You did not get everybody. You did not get the memo about the chronological order suggestions. So <laughs> I know, I know that would be that'd be hard to to manage. Okay, Larry, can we jump into uh, the next generation? Oh, please, let's go. Um, all right, as um, as many people have already acknowledged, I think I I think Sahir might have been the first one to bring up this. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was the first one. Um, let's talk about masks, shall we? Um, <laughs> Go ahead, because I said something about rewatching it, and you said, "Oh, I'm going to also," and then I didn't. So you can. I didn't it. either. I couldn't bring myself to it. So obviously, um, is this is this is season seven, Larry episode, I believe. Um, season, yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the last ones, and they <laughs> spend it on masks. Yes. It's a Joe Minoski. You know, Joe Minoski, it's like it's either awesomely wonderful a hit or it's a, like, like you know, uh, Darmok, or it's not, like masks. But it's always like this big idea, and Joe just tries to get his arms around it, and the rest of them try to help him. And sometimes it's a spectacular success, and sometimes it's a spectacular not a success. So, okay, <clears throat> this is Life Support Live, and one of the things that Larry has done for me on the show is give me a little bit of a new perspective on episodes or films that I might have a little bit of a hard time with. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, it's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, you've added a lot more texture to my love of Star Trek, right? So um, let's let's do that with Mass because um, I I I really don't like this episode. <laughs> um, um, however, however. For, for those of you who might not remember, um, something happens to Data, and um, the, the ship starts transforming, or he's transforming the ship um, to this uh, ancient alien culture, I think. It's like a bad SNL sketch or something. It's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, except it's just not funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's okay. Half of theirs aren't either. No, that's true. That's true. Um, so, the... Um, um, and like, uh, Data is wearing this mask and like, I, I, there's not much more I could really say about this episode because I really don't like it. However, 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 a lot of people I know love this episode. Um, one of my closest friends adores this episode and has so much fun with it. So, um, Zaheer, you say mass never gets old. Uh, uh, help me help me to understand um what joy does this episode bring because i i don't want to yuck on anyone else's here help help me see here you're my only hope um i don't want to yuck on anyone else's yum but i do want to understand your yum like what what do you what do you enjoy (laughs) what do you enjoy about this episode folks i think i think whatever alien civilization uh impacted data in mask um just sort of cursed me for <laughs> saying ill of that episode because <laughs> the moment i started talking about mass it seemed like poof, um things went uh things went down downhill 
Um, the chase. No, and what's funny about Mask is I remember I just watched it and I went, okay. Because we're about to, you know, right in that run of the wrap-up, it's like, okay, the holodeck becomes alive as a train with everything it ever made as a character on it. Okay. Right. I mean, it's like some of these last right. episodes, it was like, uh, can we just have ended with the sixth season and then stuck a finale on <laughs> it? It wasn't but, really but until... You, you got to work through all that stuff to get to all good things, Larry. You it have was... to really earn oh, all good things. Okay, you have to earn it. Uh, no, it's really like not until after I saw the fan reaction to Mask. It was like, oh, I'm supposed to like think Mask is ridiculous. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. But at the time, I was just kind of like, huh. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I was just like, well, that was a perfectly good waste of 60 minutes or 48 well, minutes or 43 minutes. Zahir said, I just enjoyed Brent acting mm-hmm. out the different personalities. That's really it. And then um, Charlotte said, I prefer Fistful of Data <laughs> when it comes to Data going haywire. But both those episodes do have, um, they do feature Brent acting in a very different way. And um, I, I think they they both are a little silly. And um, I think it's easier to for me to tap into the silliness of a fistful of datas and all the westernness and all of that. It's it's, well, it's a um, holodeck, so it's yeah. like it's supposed to be acting like that, even right, when it's not right. supposed to be acting like that. <laughs> and um, in <clears throat> mass, it, it's also silly. It was harder for me to suspend my disbelief with that, but it brings so many people joy that I I do think I should I should rewatch it. Um, I don't want to suggest it as a well. As remember, mass is like the transporter is beaming in new background material. It's like it's it's doing a set redress in real life. Remember, it's transforming the ship areas, or at least the areas of the ship that we have sets built for, um, <laughs> in, into ancient temple pieces. So, anyway. but we've got. We've got a few more um, when it comes to disguises, fear and fun. There was a few more TNG moments that we identified. Um, there's one specifically, and this is one that we talked about um, a few episodes before. But uh, frame of mind well, is something we're doing that... a we're doing a mental health show, so frame of mind is going to come up every you know four point seven weeks. Come on, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about frame of mind, Larry. <laughs> well, aka something for breakfast. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole, it's basically a mind F here on Frakes and, uh, this government they were visiting and they're, it's, it's a wonderful, it totally breaks visual convention with the shattered image, but basically he's in a play, Bev is got everybody in the community theater bug, if it's not Data or Barkley, it's now Riker and, He's in this wacko play, and I should I could have done a K three on this, but um, I'm all uh, for bonus K threes. You know I love. That's, I I need to consult notes on this to do it justice. But basically, this is another Brandon Braga weird shit show, and <laughs> but this one works. And even though the director and cast at times lost track of where they were as they shot, like now where are we in the one where it's within? You know, it's it's like I'll take your Moriarty inside a hologram reality bender and, you know, hold my beer. I'll raise you. That's what that's what frame of mind was. And that's what people enjoy. And the whole the whole that whole shattered image. It's like how many realities does he have a breakthrough until you find out that he's really laying on? Isn't he laying on a on a hostage bed being fed drugs by the Talonians or something? 
anyway, he's a, he's in a reality within a reality within a reality most of the time. And when he thinks he's gotten out of the mind f reality, he's really just in in the outer waiting area. And then he's in the lobby. You know, it's like, how do I really break out of this theater of the absurd prison mental state that he's in? And he finally does at the end. But um, that, that episode is so, actually quite scary to me um, watching it. Um, and it it's not scary in the in the way that um, is it evolutions? Is that the TNG episode where Barkley mm-hmm. is a spider? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that episode, Larry, I love. I love that episode so much. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. To how me, our... that's not Barkley as a spider. To me, that's Dwight Schultz as a spider. <laughs> so he becomes a spider, and uh, Riker becomes some type of um, ape. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Genesis is the name of it. Genesis. Genesis. Genesis not evolution. I right? knew that was bugging um, me, but I couldn't. Yeah. And um, what does um, what does Troy become? She becomes. She's an um, amphibian. She's an amphibian. She's an amphibian. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ogawa yeah, yeah. is a simian. Uh, Frakes becomes a Australia. He's a like a, a non. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like he's a, not even yes. Neanderthal. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and yes. this is ancient primal uh, Klingon. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that episode. It is so silly. Data me. becomes lore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Data becomes uh, B3 or B4. Data B1. B4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B, B1. Data uh, becomes a vitamin B, injection. He's, B4. It's almost like they were trying to uh, to say something there to us before. Hmm. Uh, well, anyways. On that is it was going to be B9 and then they found out, B, you know, benign. benign. B9. But B9. <laughs> do you know this? No, I don't know about the B9. Changed it from B9 to B4 because B9 was in one min- one mention. Talk about deep canon in a show that doesn't really deserve canon. B9 was the actual model number of the Lost in Space robot. Huh. Who also enjoyed that. a really flat pun, too. So they changed it from B9 to B4. There's a there's a bonus K3 right there for you guys. Well, um, I feel uh, uh, with Genesis, I feel very much the same way as uh, we'll get into this in the counselor's log about a lot of horror films and scary movies. I, I love that movie. I love that episode for that reason. But getting to um, frame of mind, this episode is very scary to me. Um, it it Jonathan Frakes just really sells it in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is legitimately terrified and you don't really have a good sense of what's happening. It's very confusing, very disorienting. I think I'm just repeating myself from a previous episode of Life Support Live, but you along with, uh, Riker are very confused. You're, um, the episode does a great job of putting you in that confusion. The facts don't align up. And in doing so, it really helps the viewer to understand one of the symptoms of uh, of psychosis, um, one of the main symptoms of psychosis is really confusion, is not really understanding what's happening around you um, and feeling anxious and stressed and worried, trying to understand what, what all this stuff is. Um, some great uh, comments coming in. Um, oh, gosh, there's a comment I wanted to highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who mentioned Doctor Who? Um, 
Oh, I just saw that. Uh, oh, yeah. Christoph. Christoph said uh, yes. there's a Dota Point <laughs> watch party for Hoovians in a little over an hour. Way scarier than any track I can remember. That is a phenomenal We're trying. Episode. Sorry, Christoph. We're doing our best. <laughs> um, I, I think Christoph is... I, I think there is... Um, there are some scary episodes, but when it comes to science fiction, scary episodes, Don't Blink is a fantastic episode there. But I do think, um, Larry, I, I think Deep Space Nine's Empok Nor gets pretty close to scary. Um, I think it can give Don't oh, yeah, Blink a definitely. run for its money. Um, this yeah. episode was, was quite scary to me watching, watching this one. This sister station that has been, um, booby trapped. And uh, the Cardassians don't mess around with their booby traps. Um, it's uh, it, it, there's a lot happening here. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's up there. Um, yeah, and you know what? You know what uh, that re- reminded me of. And it's not a lot, but there's a scary moment like this, lest we forget it, in uh, the Wrath of Khan. and the bit where oh, yeah. uh, the bit where McCoy they're first looking, they're walking around Gamma Regula. Uh, Gamma State and uh, McCoy comes into the uh, hanging bodies and runs into the arm. You know the classic horror trope. You yeah, know, they're all and they've got the spooky kind of chilling, clinky music. Dinky, you know, it's like the echoey. Pin, you know, the bottle falling on the empty floor, kind of chinky, 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 chinky. And then he runs into that, and they're pulling down the bodies. And it was, and then your mind sets into, oh my god, they slaughtered everyone. Like we barely saw the characters before, but now they're all dead. But that moment when he runs into the hanging arm is so seventies, eighties, you know. And it's it's that's a wonderful, terrifying moment. Um, there's a it's lot of those. To, nothing to do with disguises, but you know. But uh, you know, fear, uh, <laughs> definitely there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of very terrifying moments in Wrath of Khan. I only discovered this as I was watching Wrath of Khan with my three year old daughter. Um, she was so into it, but I had to forward through a lot. Um. From oh, and the, the and the yeah, uh, yeah. that's that, that's what I was <laughs> this getting. This is the international symbol <laughs> yeah. for set eel in your ear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And Star um, Trek. The, oh yeah, yeah. Buried alive. Buried alive. Gone. Yeah. Um, wonderful movie. Wonderful movie. But. We're not talking about. Let's not get more love. I'm just amazed no one ever talks about the Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yeah, no one ever talks about the Wrath of Khan. Um, there's, um, there's, there are a lot of uh, of really great scary moments in Deep Space Nine. I'm I'm looking at our old thread from uh, the previous episode. There's um, uh, past tense. Um, so um, Charlotte mentioned past tense mm-hmm. and. Uh, both the seriousness of Cisco pretending to be Gabriel Bell, but also Miles and Kira's trek through time trying to find them, and Kira asks to pretend to have a broken nose, and they just seem so confused by the hippies that they encounter in the 60s. Um, I love past tense. I love past tense, too. Um, it's um, not only... Okay, so not only has the social commentary completely become true about San Francisco and um, and largely... Um, as a commentary on what's happened in a lot of our urban areas in the United States. Yeah, but um, I don't love its prediction, but I love it no, otherwise. No, um, but it is it is a uh, a great moment of disguise and of 
um, Benjamin Sisko realizing that he needs to become this individual to s- preserve history. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those uh, fun... Um, before we started really thinking more in terms of multiverses with time travel, it's one of those fun linear time stories that like we have to fix this for the mm-hmm. future. It's a very, it's very back to the future in that, in that way. Um, it's that's a phenomenal episode and um another great example of a disguise that might not be so obvious much like city on the edge of forever yeah i mean as long as we're just kind of being floppy with our def- defining here yes another <laughs> another one that takes in disguises and or fear and or fun so yeah <laughs> uh, 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 uh. i like charlotte thanks mom for showing me wrath Khan when i was two in in my defense i skipped through all the scary stuff and the big conversation i my daughter and i had was uh she wanted to know why uh why are the two starships uh why are the two ships um uh tickling each other so much and um, that was kind of that was the bulk of our um that and then my daughter also wanted to know where's ahura she wanted to, she's like, what's Ahura doing right now? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Right now, Spock's sacrificing himself to shave everyone. I don't know what Ahura's up to right now, sweetie. <laughs> That's what you, dum, 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 dum. No, no. Meanwhile, in communications. Yeah. <laughs> um, Captain, no one is communicating us right now. <laughs> We're... We're stuck, Captain. Bring out the big heavy books. Drach the Vach, Vredian. Okay, well, you got me there. I just, like, intentionally didn't... I I was at a con one time with... Um, you were uh, at a con! I was at a con with, a, with an actor named David Orange, who was now writing books. But he was like uh, the sleepy – no, he wasn't the sleepy Klingon. He was with the sleepy – anyway, he was like a one-line, two-line Klingon in Star Trek VI, which is like a fate worse than death. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> of, all the, of all the outings to be a two-line Klingon in <laughs> Star Trek VI, it's like, well, here's the last time we're just doing Klingons like cheaply because the actors – don't we didn't have to sign an actor to a regular contract in a series so every actor we have doing klingons who's a real actor is like you're not putting that crap on me so they all have wimpy light klingon faces but anyway um he was like reciting all of his klingon out of the movie and i was just like wow wow he remembered his three lines do you do you remember which klingon he was i want to say he was the sleepy klingon or he was the klingon in the outpost at, he was uh, the Klingon in yeah. The Drach, the Vach, Viridian, that one? Something. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I love that Klingon. <laughs> I love that. And then, um, then he says I'll tell something. Him. Yeah, he says something, and then he starts laughing. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and then uh, uh, Scotty is looking at her like, and she goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a lovely moment. Um, all right, it back is. to Deep Space Nine. Um, what a Nathaniel couple they says, were. Nathaniel says, how about Nog in It's Only a Paper Moon, taking on the identity of a casino bigwig in order to avoid fear? That's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've done our live watch of that, but that also taps into a different aspect of disguises. I think a, a, an aspect that has more of a well, tie-in to today 
and what we're doing right here, um, how we might dress up in a way and then take on some of the aspects of that character. We're talking about therapeutic fear. Yeah, the thing I was talking about that it's like, well, of course, it's Halloween and all that. But to keep it not dated is also uh, fear in a weird way, like intentional fear, like I'm going to scare myself with a scary movie is a defense against anxiety, which makes is kind of, or, or a break. People are anxious about politics and the election right now. And we're just looking for something, you know, even if it's mindless, even if it's almost like, you know, pinching ourselves or something or poking ourselves just to get out of the at least that that may be painful but at least it's a different pain than the ongoing numbing anxiety of worrying about politics right now i don't know yeah and that's a little bit yeah that does make sense um i'll dive into that in the counselor's log and and that's a little bit of why we wanted to talk about this today we wanted to have a little bit of fun um as and we debated, should we? Should is we Captain dive Pike admonished us? Yes. Yes, as pa- exactly as Captain Pike uh, likes to remind us about that. Um, Every we debated week he does. going what a guy. going a bit more serious <laughs> and heavy, um, but um, ultimately we thought it might be a little bit better for us to have a little bit of fun. Um, Voyager has some scary, really terrifying episodes, Larry. Um, there's a lot. I brought up. Um, I brought up macrophage. You mean and scary then, as the point of they're actually trying to keep up their ratings? Scary as in, oh my gosh, um, Ali oh, was terrified uh, by by some uh, of these episodes. Uh, I brought up macrophage as the big example of scariness, and then you topped me by bringing up this episode right over oh, here. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. And I, I was shocked that this episode was as good as it was. I'm sorry. I was like, wait, this is a Voyager episode. Why is it this, this off, off, off skew? How did they break the bland mold here with this one? But yes, everybody hate me, but it was, this is a third season Voyager too. No, it was really chilling. And the, and they did, you know, Brandon was doing a good job with this one and Joe and that whole, it was that same reality bending. Reality within a reality, it wasn't as convoluted as as um, as something for breakfast. <laughs> second, ch- not second chance. The, the name uh, of this episode again, Larry. Do you remember it for our future uh, podcast um, listeners? Um, I started to say it's not. Uh, oh, the thaw, the thaw, the thaw. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. this image of the clown and all of the characters going along with it. Um, I'm afraid. Really, I know. It, it was really terrifying, and um, it kind of taps into that um, that fear of clowns that some some people have, and it brings up feelings of Stephen King's It a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I did I did not like watching that episode when it first came out, but what what this episode shows me is uh, something you and I talked about a long time ago on Life Support Live. Which is this big universe of Star Trek in terms of genre. We have Western episodes. We have um, social commentary episodes. We have silly comedic episodes. We have Spock's brain, whatever the heck that is, and Cat's Paw. Um, it's everything. Have... <laughs> hey, you kids, it's two in one. Yeah. We, silly we have um, um, swashbuckling action adventure, but we also have um, character moments. We have Beverly mm. 
and her ancestors and the Scottish ghost of whatever the heck that is. Uh, Beverly's matriarchal family that kept taking the woman's last name in Scotland. Yes, yes. Because that's the thing I take from that episode. That's the one I take. Oh, my gosh. But um, there's a lot of diversity. Star Trek is a lot of different things. And um, the Thaw is a great example of that. that, um, Star Trek? Diversity? yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost like an infinite combination of <laughs> of diversity there. Um, so well, let's set something to celebrate. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's that's a the thought is a great reminder, and a lot of these episodes are a reminder that Star Trek can actually be quite scary too, um, as much mm-hmm. as it can be about social commentary. Sometimes I get stuck on well, Discovery doesn't have enough social commentary. And I need to remind myself that uh, Star Trek is a lot of different things. And um, uh, there's a lot of ways to tell a Star Trek story. Star Trek is a lot of things, including some seasons were better than we are in other seasons. Um, or half seasons. Uh, yeah. Well, you, what do you mean Discovery isn't very Star Trekky? They always let you know with the music when they're in a Star Trek moment. That's true. That's true. Original series or the next gen theme? Co- oh no, the next gen theme comes up in Picard or Voyager, but in in Discovery, it's the original series. Um, the chat's going really great here. I want to say hello, Mary uh, Nazinski. Uh, looks like you're new with us this week or first time to speak up. Yay! Um, hi, hi. Um, oh, Mary says. Speaking of the thaw, um, her yes. favorite two favorite Voyager episodes actually aired back to back: the thaw and Tuvix. Um, ah, I forgot about that. Yeah, there is this period in Voyager. I remember on my rewatch a couple of years ago where I was like, "Wow, that episode was really good." Wow, that episode was really good. Wow, that episode was really good. <laughs> oh, see, I keep thinking Tuvix is first season, but it's second season. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, I think uh, there's a there's a first season episode that to me was was scary in a different way, and um, Larry, you're gonna you'll probably identify it, um, or someone in the chat will. It's an episode where Balana comes face to face with this ancient civilization of androids or something, and they're sort of at war with each other. And in some ways, it's it's um, it's similar to other themes we've seen, but. Um, it, it scared me in how sad it was that these two civilizations were at continuous You mean war. the robots? The yes. silver-faced robots? The, ro- yeah. the silver-faced robots. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very early episode, and I completely forgot about it. But Prototype. Um, prototype. I think that might have been it. Yeah. Um, that was quite sad and scary to me, that episode. Um, Voyager has a way of surprising you in that way with, uh, with these different... I things. really should watch do a rewatch of voyager just so i can look at it from eyes that weren't like being dragged through the mud as it was being made okay well you you had uh insider experience that was uh i think has uh, in hearing about the yeah yeah uh um i like jared said he wasn't scared of of michael mckean's uh the thaw clown because all he saw was lenny from laverne and shirley in makeup there was there was kind of that too yeah (laughs) Oh, man. Charlotte brings up a great... Speaking of Voyager, Charlotte brings up a great uh, quote from uh, Janeway. Um, Fear only exists for one purpose, to be conquered. Um, 
which uh, I think that's a that's a lovely quote. I think it also exists for the purpose of keeping you safe, but that's uh, that's a different mm-hmm. story. Um, We've done that. All right, um, Enterprise has a gr- yeah, we did do that one. Um, Enterprise has a really great, scary, uh, wait, wait, silly. Did we do, Terra- did we do Impact Nor from DS Nine? We we evoked it. We talked a little okay. bit about it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, let's see, talk about this one, Larry. Uh, this is an <clears throat> Enterprise episode that you... The Token. Rem- this is like the Token. Well, it's like the Token fear one, because it's the Vulcan zombies. <laughs> the Vulcan zombies. And we have the power to talk about Impulse. So this was, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Larry, I, I I don't remember anything about this episode besides that there's Vulcan zombies. Um, wh- this is, <laughs> what's going it's an on? Early, it's an early Expanse. The whole thing about why the Expanse was going to be scary was it turns, you know, your universe is turned inside out. There, We've had horror stories of ships malformed and their crews are all dead. You know, they're, it's like a transporter inversion or something. And and they finally find one of those ships that's Vulcan and um, the crew's all zombies. But it's all wrapped up in the Trellium uh, 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 debilitation that T'Pol is starting to to uh, suffer from. And they're not really zombies. Um, they'll always be with us as long as we think of them. No, they'll all- – they're they're suffering from you know debilitating effects, and T'Pol's going to be the same way if we don't figure out how to save her. But here, meanwhile, here's a ship of all future T'Pol's who are like acting like zombies, and yeah, it's a it's the whole arms and legs groping for you through the door out the window kind of, you know the 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 original Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Onward, which, onward, onward, zombie. Yeah. I love, I love that Star Trek can do that. <laughs> that that you can have. Um, on the one hand, you can have episodes that are so, um, so serious. And on the other hand, you can have Vulcan zombies. Like, who doesn't want Vulcan zombies? That's, that's amazing. Um, um, I don't remember being too scared by this one. Um, I, I, I thought it was fun and silly, but, um, you know. Well, I, um, they said for three weeks, you know, oh, it's the Vulcan zombie one. Oh, it's the Vulcan zombie one coming. Oh, you're going to like this. It's Vulcan. And by the time that it was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was a lame attempt to do Vulcan. And the story was OK. But as far as, you know, oh, look, it's Vulcan zombies. I, that was like, OK, fine. And I'm not a big zombie person, but, you know, I was a big yeah. Walking Dead fan until <laughs> All the stories just seem to completely repeat themselves. Um, I left Walking Dead about season five or something like that. And um, somebody, I, somebody who's into illusion and all that metaphor would would shoot me. But I'm just like, how how do you do one story, let alone season after season of people running away from undead zombies after them? I know it all turns uh, on to the other yeah, humans I mean, are the monsters, right? But right, right, right. Um, but oh, the other humans are so the monsters. Much. Okay, for five seasons, different ones. Okay, yay. I mean, sorry, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, Christoph says uh, vanishing point. <clears throat> yes, I thought Enterprise. of vanishing point. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a bit uh, scary, prankish too. Um, which one is vanishing point, Larry? That's isn't that the Organians, Christoph? You got me point blank here, where the Organians are inhabiting different Enterprise bodies. And you're, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 so. yeah. 
that was that was a little scary <clears throat> and uh, and also a little bit fun. Hey, um, right above since you're since you are you got your finger on the button right above Christoph in the chat, Joe Stafford. I want to do a shout out to Joe. He's new to us, but he's an old old friend of uh, one of my best buds here in California. The guy who got me to go to Comic Con San Diego the first year, uh, Lee. But Joe's got a good point there. He's talking about the man trap actually being horror if you're not used to shapeshifters and things. Which I don't think many people were in 1966. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that is um, that is actually quite a scary. On a tiny little budget, it was kind of scary. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, and unnerving. You know, it was unnerving in a in a Twilight Zone budget, but in Technicolor way. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's a good one. Um, let's see, uh, Larry. What do we have after Enterprise? I don't. I was thinking of the Kelvin timeline. Um, I mean, I we could maybe talk about Khan, but I'd rather not talk about Khan. Oh, have we done uh, it again? No, yeah. we're here. We're here. Um. So, uh, okay. it was scary, but not for the reasons we stated. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Um, I just, I'm just saying. My, I mean, my criticism of 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 that is um, there. There really haven't been too many South Asian characters in Star Trek to date. Um, we did have Captain Robo, uh, who was uh, Robo. R- Captain uh, Roba, 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 uh, from uh, who is the captain of the Kelvin? Uh, right in, in two thousand nine. <clears throat> um, there's also a a South Asian admiral, I believe, in Star Trek Four, who has a distress call. But anyways, there's not that much representation for the uh, well, the family that plant the bomb in uh, Stid. Right. Um, there's that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but Khan Nunyan Singh is uh, is from South Asia. <laughs> was played by a, a Latino actor, Ricardo Montalban, um, who was a person of color. So, recasting him as um, a very white British man was, uh, I think, problematic. The Star Trek comic has a explanation that they changed his appearance so that no one would recognize him. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, oh, look, that, once again, another retcon to save a Kelvin movie. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was a problem for me. I, and I love Star Trek Into Darkness. There's a lot of things I really love about the movie, but that was something that, um, to me was, oh. was scary for a different reason. Yeah. Um, I do think that, uh, Larry, you would know better. Um, they were going to cast someone else in that <laughs> role and that individual backed off. And that was also a Latino actor. Um, um, he actually was in a recent Star Wars film. He was in, uh, The Last Jedi, I believe, if I remember correctly. Oh, um, thanks. You got, you caught me not really paying attention to the development of Kelvin let films. Me, let me look it up. Let me look it up. Um, <clears throat> Meanwhile, I want to thank Christoph for correcting me, uh, cause I always get Vanishing Point wrong. Uh, Vanishing Point was a transporter accident that Hoshi is actually stuck in the buffer. And she's hallucinating. It's like a whole exp- a whole episode pulled out of just a few seconds of of buffer time, which someone mentioned earlier. We didn't say during the TNG times, uh, Realm of Fear. And even though 
even though plexing may not be a great technique, Barclay's fear of transporting, and then he's proven right in one particular case. They had an invasion via transporter beam. The um, transporter beasties. <clears throat> right, right. So, uh, Larry, the person I was thinking of is Benicio Del Toro. So Benicio Del Toro was oh. uh, walked away from Star Trek Into Darkness and uh, was rumored at the time to be playing uh, to be p- playing Khan, who I think would have been wonderful um, in that role. But, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any K3s on that, but... Hey folks, there's uh, obviously not on that one. <laughs> there's a doctor. There's a Doctor Ali uh, K3 for you, um, and Thank in you. true Doctor Ali K3 form, how scary can that be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I have no more story or details to share with you, but there's that. Um, there you go. Have have there a drink. Go. It's uh, Doctor <clears throat> Ali K3. Kennedy Space Center. I like your mug. Um, ah, thank you. This was um, STS-125. Um, I saw the launch there with my with my buddy Matt and I. We went to go see uh, the launch launch of the Atlantis mission to repair the Hubble, one of the final Well, very good. Uh, I never launches. got over to see uh, most of the shuttles happen when I was not – I had the means to go to Florida. But uh, Janet saw – well, Janet was going to see one because one of our friends was a engineer that oversaw the fueling of the shuttle. And she went, wow. but then they had to play, so she had to. She missed the launch, but she at least saw it sitting on the pad. It was it was very hard. Uh, we, uh, I mean, I lived on the east coast, so my friend and I drove down um, to see it. But it's so hard to catch the window when the launch happens because um, the windows can change so much. So you really have to plan to be there for a number. Oh, of the days. time window. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'm not getting anywhere near the rocket. You can catch the window if you want to. I don't know why, but I'm, yeah. Uh, hey, listen, um, um, I just saw a bunch of good comments. Uh, one thing, hello to Alanka from Germany, who's with us for the first time, but she's been around my social media for a long time. Uh, and um, where Hi, was Alanka. it? Oh, uh, Ahil Sahil on uh, Discovery. Recently, playing the lone Federation sentry. Yes, yes. Um, which and was... I think he's direct. I think he's followed every person on Twitter <laughs> who mentioned him. Yeah, happy guy to be I, in the I, start. I gave him a little congratulations on on Twitter, <laughs> on Twitter and talked about how much I love that role and that. There you how got much that... They've got a heroic South Asian. Yes. Yeah, much. and he um his his um his portrayal um I think he 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 really captured a lot of um what Starfleet and and the Federation mean to Michael, but then also to us as as fans. And his acting was just uh, so emotional. Um, I loved it. So I, I just sent that on Twitter, and then he DM'd me and said thank you. And I'm like, what? This doesn't happen. Uh, that's so nice. Um. So it seems like a really sweet guy. I don't know if yeah. we'll see him again this season. I, I hope we do. I'd, I'd love to see him again. Um, Larry, anything from Picard or um, uh, no? I was. Well, see, Picard again is Picard's all about intrigue and spying, and you know you've got. I mean, again, some of these are easy if you go just with disguises. Oh, look, it's. A pointy-eared Romulan disguised as a pointy-eared Vulcan. Oh wait, she's by she's by species anyway. I mean, you know, people pretending to be what they're not, and a um, Romulan admiral, right, with the cool shades, right. with a with a full Romulan uh, aide de camp. Yeah, okay. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> Starfleet. You know, oh, look, it's the androids disguised as real humans in the beginning. I Okay. <laughs> so, you know, as far as like totally appearance shifting, I... I don't know that we did. Maybe we did. I'm not thinking, but yeah, I'm, it's kind of like, eh. The, the subterfuge in disguise was like the running arc of Picard, so. Oh, oh, well, Jesse, uh, says Free Cloud. Um, and Free Cloud. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm sorry. We Disguises see... and fun in the same episode? <laughs> I, you, in Star Trek, what? Yeah, that was one of those uh, that that's um, Star Trek Picard doing its silly, wild, wonderful thing that Star Trek can do. And so going to that casino planet, which I think Libby would back me up on this. Where was Quark? Like, I would have loved to have seen a little <laughs> bit of Quark or Ferengi representation in Elder that episode. Quark. Yeah, Quark with long it. ear here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like as the niggas like what what did you say yeah lad w got some okay let's talk you know um that would have been <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> that would have been hey, really wonderful to in see. the chat here zahir says do we talk about the darkling do you see oh. this it's just four up from the bottom yeah yes 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 post yes. it post it other people have a clown phobia mine's international fear of evil doctors yeah. So here yeah, we're going to reevaluate uh, our friendship. Yeah. Did you know there's a mini K3? So, so Bob is where Bob Picardo is wearing a little piece that went under his, went over his gum to kind of give his lip a little different profile. Hmm. These mini K3s are going to be so much better than the real K3. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Okay. So, um, sound good to me. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, I think that kind of does it for the canon, right? Uh, I think that kind of brings us up to now. Boom. Uh, Someone, uh, we were talking about lower decks and somebody, well, there's some, there's some disguises. Uh, oh, somebody said, somebody, I'm apologizing right now, mentioned that, uh, Mariner was a fan of Khan, which is not anything about disguises, fear and fun, but. Uh, yeah, I think Lower Deck starts with a moment. I, I don't think that there's any spoilers here to say Lower Deck starts with a moment of fear and fun where Mariner is uh, a little inebriated um, and takes a bat laugh. A little? Sort of, uh, yeah, uh, maybe a lot um, and takes a bat well, you had, laugh. You had zomb- of- well, no, you had the zombie. You had the disease attack of zombies. Yes, in- yes we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we definitely had that. Um, there's a lot of... Monster. Uh, before you know it was a that. cow, it was a monster uh, <laughs> sucking on uh, Boimler. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of those moments. Um, and with that, Larry, I think we should jump into the counselor's log. I think, log. We, yeah, I think we're overdue. Yeah. 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 Let's <laughs> jump into the counselor's log. This is where I do a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the uh, psychology uh, behind the stuff we're talking about. And, you know, today we're really just, we're having a lot of fun, Larry. So I want to talk about the fun uh, aspects of all of this. And I want to talk about Halloween, but also cosplay, because the two are very much related. Um, one of my friends, uh, a friend of the show, Dr. Drea Ledimenti, um, has done some work on the psychology of cosplay, has done some research in this area. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of real interesting reasons why people dress up. 
and why people uh, create costumes. Um, part of it is really about just about the artistry and people like the craft. They really get involved in the creation of it. I'm not one of those people, Larry, because I'm not very good at that. Um, I, I buy. Look at you. <laughs> you bought that just fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm very good at purchasing costumes that have been made. I'm not so good at the artistry of it, but, um, some people do it largely you're, for the artistry good at, of it. You're good at cosplay. Cosplay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, what did it cost? Okay, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, don't ask me how much this costs. That's what my wife asked, and I, uh, uh, I, I might have beamed out of that situation. I uh, could have really used a personal transporter in that moment. Some of it okay. is about the cost. Um, sometimes it's about the relationship to the character, and it's about um, ways in which you have a connection to that character. Um, one of the reasons I got this was because I wanted, um, s uh, because of my connection to Spock and how much I love, um, the portrayal <laughs> of Spock, Marks. not Carol Marks. <laughs> no, one other problematic area of Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, <clears throat> but, um, we might have a relationship to a character. We've talked about, um, parasocial relationships, how we have relationships with people we haven't met or characters who don't exist in real life, but they still have impacted us in some way. Sometimes we like to dress up for that reason. And then, um, sometimes it's about community, Larry. Like how many times have we been at a con or at a, um, at a Halloween event and recognizing a character and um, connecting with other people who are dressed in, in the same way. One of my favorite things about a con, or um, when I used to live in New York, there we used to have um, a Halloween parade where families and people would dress up and kind of uh, march in the streets together just for fun. Mm -hmm. And anytime I saw another Star Trek person, I was like, hey, yeah, no, this, oh, nice, you look great. You know, um, it's it's a way of connecting with community. So... By and large, dressing up is um, is largely a great, fun thing, a way to connect with people. It is. Sorry, I was just remembering the days when we used to march in the streets for fun. Yeah, I know. Okay, I know. okay. It'll anyway. be back. It'll be back. It will be back, um, yeah. yeah. Um, I do need to say, though, the thing with mass... Um, Mass are a little bit of a different story. So when when we feel less like we can be personally identified, we can blend in with a crowd more. It's something called disinhibition, disinhibition, um, and depersonal not depersonalization, um, um, social disinhibition. So in other words. Um, if you feel like you're less personally identifiable, you can more blend into a crowd for better and worse. So sometimes this can um, loosen you up and make you more comfortable and you can do more things in a crowd. You can act in a silly way, but also it can lead to some negative stuff, too. So, yeah, if, if a crowd is um, doing aggressive things, doing violent <laughs> things. Um, it can be a little bit easier for you to do that as well. Masks make this easier, but then also um, sometimes if you're just in a very big crowd and you don't think anyone's going to be able to personally identify you, 
um, the same thing can kind of happen. So for better and worse, masks do make it easier for you to go along with what a crowd is doing. Um, and then, I, yeah, yeah oh, for on, better or worse, you almost say that worse. social media is a crowd. It can be, the especially dark, if you're not aspects of, well, I mean, the darker aspects of social media, we always talk about where people feel liberated to act on their baser instincts. If yeah. you know, you don't have that trouble if you're trying to it's something noble or something good, but people that think, you know, you'd never do that face, you know, when we talk about toxic fandom and when you're live at a con, nobody walks around bad-mouthing things to the degree that we see things trashed online. Yeah. Uh, people wouldn't just run, you know, they wouldn't run with it when it's, if you, you know, if they were face-to-face, people wouldn't say the things, even personally, much less, you know, metaphorically yeah. or franchise-wide. So, uh, yeah, I, I just had a, I just had a flash there of, I see the mask aspect applied to individuals to the negative online as yes. part of social media. Yeah, there's two things that are playing out there. One is on the internet if you aren't personally identifiable. And then the other <laughs> thing is eye contact. Face-to-face eye contact is one of those things that really humanizes us. It it really puts on the brakes of a lot of the more toxic aspects of humanity. <laughs> and at, in person, we have that. But if you have a mask, well, that's a barrier there to having that eye contact. And then online, obviously, it's it's very hard to, to have that contact. Um, I do want to talk about scary uh, movies and scary shows for a moment. Um, some people really love them. Some people don't. Larry, I don't know what where where you fall on this. You're you're not a fan. Uh, I'm not. I stuff. don't. I don't enjoy being goosed constantly. Yeah. <laughs> And also, it's just the it's just like the the token the trope of it. Like, okay, here's a movie where they're gonna try to scare me over and over again. They probably will. I mean, that's the way I. It's like, why do I subject myself to this? Like, why would I make myself go? Ah, 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 ah. It's like giving yourself a heart attack every ten seconds. It's like, why is enjoyable? I understand endorphins and release and blah blah blah. But I no, that's it's like it's like I'm not a big fan of roller coasters. I can endure it. Mm-hmm. Just to show that I'm not scared of it, but I don't enjoy it. And maybe yeah. it's something deep-seated about loss of control and control. I don't know. Well, no, no, no. It. I think it's I think it's a much you know. simpler explanation. I think it's a way simpler explanation. So w- roller coasters is a good example, um, as are scary movies and um, and horror films. You're welcome. Um, yeah. No, no. Thank you. It's a good one. Uh, you're welcome. Um, if for all the Moana fans out there, uh, it's a movie I've seen oh, probably over a hundred times now. One of my daughter's favorites. Uh, but a, a lot of the reasons why people love scary films is it is controlled fear. And you know that you're in a safe place. Um, and there is a thrill to being activated in that way, to your heart jumping, to, uh, to those jump scares. Um, it's, it's a way to experience fear in a very controlled and safe way. However, Larry, there's diversity to how intensely we all experience, um, fear. Um, there's diversity to how intensely we all experience different emotions. We're all, uh, a lot of that is, is genetic. Uh, when we're born, the, our DNA has set the dial up and down on different levels of emotions. For some of us, 
we just experience a lot more emotions. We're more, uh, um, I'm sorry, we experience a lot more anxiety. We're, we're much more cautious. Mm-hmm. We're, um, anxiety, uh, a jump scare doesn't feel good to us. It feels overwhelming. Um, then there's other people where anxiety is set very low. These are people who are more thrill seekers. They like to be scared. They like to push the limits. It helps them to feel alive. Um, and then there's a lot of people right in the middle where it depends on the context. And of course, experiences can change that if you go through very difficult situations that might turn the dial up or down. But I, I think this is a really easy way to explain why some of us might like being scared. Some of us mm-hmm. don't. And then also what we find scary might might vary. Um, as Zaheer said, uh, evil doctors or something that scare him. Um, for some people, it's zombies. You know, there, so there's diversity here. But um, it's okay if you like this stuff. It's okay if you don't like this stuff. There's a lot of diversity here. And that's just totally fine. I'm in the middle myself. Sometimes I like a good scare. Um, sometimes I don't. And it kind of just, uh, it, it kind of just depends. So as we roll into the K3 factor, folks, let us know if you have a favorite scary movie. If there's something you like watching and you like the thrill of that, yeah. let us know in the comments below. For me, it's Jaws. Uh, that's my, my favorite scary. It's more of a suspense thriller than it is like a horror kind of thing but i feel the same way with jaws as i do with jurassic park and alien i love those kind of scary moments larry we're well overdue for a k3 um what do you got for us today uh yeah well i want to go to one that we i think we didn't even talk about it in the run of things but Mm. um and again if you're new to uh life support live k3 is the only mention of mental health in the original series, aside from a psycho tricorder and Wolf in the Fold, it's actually there on McCoy's bio bed. So that's why I took it as, a, as an homage to this part where we're going to take today's theme and rather than, oh, you know, give you something for daily living, uh, actually go and deep dive into Star Trek a little more like we do every week, every month in Trekland on all my programs. So, yeah, the K3 this week is an episode we didn't mention, but I sent you an image. Uh, it's a Voyager and you kind of oh, get a yeah. clue from the title. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if anybody mentioned it even in the chat. No, I don't think so. The Haunting of Deck 12, which kind of gives it away, right? It's actually literally ghost stories around a plasma lantern campfire. <laughs> um, kind of like on the nose. So um, anyway, no, I just only for the fact of just a little insight on that. So people, you know, they may enjoy it. It's It's just trying to be an all out uh you know ghost story or whatever uh, but this was this was a story that um that Brian Fuller when Brian Fuller was baby Brian you know his first second year of professional writing on Voyager um he wound up getting the screen this most of the script credit for it but it actually started with a with a story pitch from uh, Mike Sussman who wound up being a staff writer on Enterprise and was a big fanboy but um um, it uses the dronelings, the drone babies, the twins, and uh, and uh, Zadi and Icheb, and and you f- it jumps into the middle of it, but you it, Neelix is basically telling them a ghost story, and they're all scary, and it's cute because Icheb is like being the fan who's like going, no, wait a minute, what, what? <laughs> he's like the you know he's like the cannon poker, um. 
So anyway, and originally it was going to be uh, Naomi Wildman telling the ghost story to the other kid, to the all the drone kids, the Borg, Borglets. But they decided that was kind of a lot to, um, um, you know, she was a the uh, uh, Scarlet Palmer's was like nine years old at the time. They thought that was a little too much weight to throw in a nine year old at the time. So they re they redid it. Um, he kept he sold three or four or five stories. He'd sold about three stories, and they were trying to give him a chance to write the script, but they kept running out of time, or something was problematic. And so finally, they said, "Okay, this is the way things work in TV." They were like, "This is the way things used to work." Now, when you have ten episodes a season, it's like we just have a we have forty two producers and only ten or twelve story slots, <laughs> so we're not worried about outside writers. But in the good old days. Um, when they had freelancers, so they were trying to give Mike a, a shot to write a script, and uh, it's like, okay, the good news is we're finally going to give you a chance to write the script for this one. The bad news is we're finally going to give you to write <laughs> the script for this one, because it turned out to be, um, he said, well, if the, he told me he says, well, if the ship was cursed, then this script was cursed, um. And it wound up being, you know, it wound up, they are, their names are all over it in different capacities, but it wound up being, uh, he just was talking about he was, it was the end of the season. He was burned out even as a freelancer. They were kind of burned out. Uh, he said it was like a techie show with no character. They were trying to, he was having a hard time with it. And Brian, and actually Ken Biller did it too. And, and Mike thought that, well, there was my chance and I'd blown it. I didn't step up. I didn't prove myself. I'll never get on staff. Well, they did give him a second try. Wound up, it wound up being uh, body and soul later with the doctor in seven's body, which it just struck me is also a disguise show. Um, kind of elaborately, not scary, but uh, unless you're into Bob Picardo acting like Jerry Ryan acting like seven, <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> but anyway, here's your, here's, so here's your K3. Uh, Brian, when he got the script and they did it, actually wrote 13 pages of scenes extra to mm-hmm. put to put uh, character moments in. And the whole thing of Tau Celeste, Zoe McClellan's character, who you saw in Good, who was one of the three underclass crewmen in Good Shepherd, they brought her back just because they could get the. It was somebody recently that had been seen, and they could get the actress. She had the schedule open. That's why that's one of the accidents of Star Trek. Sometimes the most memorable scenes are character scenes that never would have been written, except they needed to get somebody who could shoot this on no, you know, on nothing and um, and do it late so they could shoot it and stick it in and pad out a show because they would be, you know, now that that's such a not problem now with streaming. But back in the day when you had to have a certain time frame for commercials and a network slot or uh, even a syndicated slot had to fit everybody else. Anyway, so if you enjoyed The Haunting of Deck 12, it's one of the, it didn't have as tortuous a, a setup as some episodes, but it really was one of those that grew, um, grew along the way. Yeah, Brian made Neelix the central character of the show and, um, and thought that it was very creepy because, you know, when Neelix is creeped out, then it's even creepier because he's supposed to be the adult and, and all that. Anyway. Uh, Jerry Ryan broke her foot just before they filmed this show, so they had to like pull oh. back on on her scenes, her effect shots, and they had to that limited what they could have her do. So anyway, it was just it wasn't quite a cursed show, but um, um, it it felt like a little bit. Anyway, it it was entertaining. 
it was entertaining. And they uh, premiered. They didn't do smoky effects for some of the plasmas. They actually did digital smoke. It was a kind of a breakthrough, and they won a visual effects Emmy. The the vendor house was Digital Muse at the time, but uh, anyway, they they won a visual effects Emmy for this show too. So there you go. How about that for a K three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I completely forgot about that episode, and that's um that's great. I love when Star Trek does these everyday moments, but in the future. Like um, in one of my favorite scenes in all the movies is Star Trek Five. Uh, the final frontier with Kirk, Spock, and Bones um, around the campfire, and Spock has that ridiculously advanced uh, marshmallow or marshmallow, whatever your Alan, perspective. Yeah, yeah uh, container <laughs> like product whoa. placement. <laughs> Why do you need such an advanced container for that? So I love that um, Neelix is telling these ghost stories around Only the good glass things lamps. from craft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! I love when Star Trek does that. Um, George O'Hurley would have been so proud. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, let's let's go into our away mission here. This is where um, you can take some aspect of today's show and apply it to your life. So um, I have a very simple away mission for us today. Um, I, I know not everyone. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> I try to make it very simple each week, but um, today is uh, very very simple. So. Um, I know not everyone um, observes or celebrates Halloween, um, even in the United States and then also outside the United States. Um, and I know we're all in a difficult time right now and all uh, with uh, with the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. So all of this complicates things. However, um, for those of you who are interested in um, observing some aspect of Halloween, um, my question to you, the, the question I want you to answer as a part of this away mission is, what does Halloween mean to you? Um, is it about um, candy? Is it about dressing up? Is it about seeing other people's costumes? Is it about celebrating fear and scary movies? Is it about um, just getting together um, with people you like to have fun with? Is it about seeing um, childhood joy? Um what does it mean to you? And actually let us know in the comments, like what, what does Halloween mean to you? And then I know there's a lot, there's a lot what of. What does Halloween mean to me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> um, I, I mean, that's a question I have for you, Larry. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, it's, there's so much diversity in the United States, and I know in the rest of the world, about how safe it is to go out and to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my away mission is really to connect with. You mean with, in a normal year? It. Because uh, right now, well, like there are a lot of I don't know. I think it's widespread, but there are a lot of places where there is no there's no house to house trick or treat. There's no yeah yeah in, yeah, in yeah, most yeah. parts in most parts <clears throat> of the country there's there's not. Um, um, but there, even even there, there's diversity. I mean, this of, year for of, COVID, for the pandemic, yeah, yeah. I mean, even even there, there is some diversity about how, um, what areas have banned it, what areas are allowing, you know. So things are sort of up in the air. But um, the my away mission is to really connect with what does it mean to you, and then what's one way in which you can experience that thing today. Like I do. Like I, I, I always love dressing up as a as anything Star Trek. But um, 
for me, it's also about um, fun candy and some kind of seasonal movie. Like, I do like the aspect. I do like seasonal movies. I'm a sucker for a scary movie around Halloween. Even if it's, like, more fun scary, like Ghostbusters. I think Christoph mentioned Ghostbusters here. Um, I'm a sucker for more Thanksgiving-y kind of movies around Thanksgiving. And I'm a sucker for more um, holiday kind of movies around Christmas. I just... it. Um, that's a lot of fun for me. So I'm Main curious. takeaway there is I'm a sucker uh, for you. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let that slide since it's Halloween. Larry, what um, do you, I mean, what, what does Halloween mean to you? Do you have any, any, anything you really love to do on this kind of day? See, there are a lot of ho- holidays anymore that I just think of them as, and I don't mean to like write myself off, but I always think of them as kid Mm-hmm. Uh, movies. Now, last year, I, I, and I, in fact, I shared this on socials. I pulled out a character that I did because to me, it's like we have conventions all year long. And I, when I was younger, I did a lot of, I did cosplay. I did McCoy. I did Telluride. I did Telluride Doctor. I did, you, you know, I did McCoy. I did it well, and then, and then, and then some say I almost did it a couple of times on continues, but, um, but last year, I for the first time, I actually went to a Halloween party and actually did a joke dress up that I did like in the eighties. I did the janitor of Starbase forty seven. Yeah. yeah, and I you added posted a that more to in it. our group. And um, but mostly a lot of holidays, Easter is this way, and it, it's got a religious, you know, certain religious background to it. But I, there are a lot of holidays that I enjoy for kids and young kids. Yeah. And it's like if I'm not – and if I'm cut off from kids or my kids are older and now I've got a couple of grandkids. But if I'm cut off from them, they lose some of the impact for me. Uh, but like I said, last year was the year I tried to reclaim a little Halloween, and uh, it was fun. And this, this year had the Halloween claimed from all of us. But uh, yeah, it's – no, it's – I really enjoy seeing – uh, kids, especially that's a holiday where I just enjoy seeing, and you know, and then the trick or treating and and doing candy and all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's always fun to be the one passing out candy. Um, Give it away. Make sure it's all given away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise it ends Nothing up left in, around the house in except the little crackle. Nestle's Crunch Bars. Those are. Killer. Oh, I like I like Cracker Crackle. I'm a fan yeah. of crack that's actually uh that's a fun question to ask folks is what's your favorite halloween candy i'm a big fan of um mr Goodbar. i love mr Goodbar. Um, oh janet's a big yeah peanut person yeah oh it's so it's so good um reese's pieces or uh, or reese's is a uh, big one for me babe ruth i love all this but um you know this is one of the things about uh this this year of the pandemic and probably will spill it over to next year um as well is we need to still have some connection to mm-hmm. customs, rituals, um, community. That's that's really important for us. And that's part of the reason why we dressed up. It's part of the reason why we wanted to have a Halloween special. Um, it, it still gives us some sense of community. Especially the week before this election. Yes, yes, especially, yeah, no. uh, especially Good that. Good timing um, there, Halloween. So, I know. So Libby says, um, usually Halloween is about dressing up and hopefully being invited to, um, uh, to some kind of event with friends. Not this year. The first time I haven't dressed up, but today is about memories and just wait until next year. So yeah, it's a great, great way to share some memories. Um, folks have been doing that on our life support live, uh, Facebook page. Um, 
this might be a fun time to share on social media one of your favorite costumes from Europe's past. Mm-hmm. Or if you'd like to dress up in right. like in, in the way that Larry and I did, you can always share that on social media. Scott says, um, I haven't been into Halloween as an adult. I'm not a partier. And without a party, there's not much motivation <laughs> to spend time and money on a costume. I do enjoy scary movies, mostly older ones. But for me, ha- Halloween is really about the season and the weather, colors, smells, and, and getting into that. Um, Christoph has an interesting perspective here. For us Europeans, Halloween is a U.S. based <laughs> turbo capitalism event. We have a lot of turbo capitalism events. Uh, most of our holidays are turbo capitalism events. So candy and uh, blackish pumpkinish menus in some restaurants, and hoping the trick or treat doesn't uh, doesn't swap over here too. Yeah, I, I, I definitely get that. Jared says, um, I've been watching Hallmark Christmas movies all week. <laughs> it's okay, uh, Jared. Hallmark, they got it all covered. Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Talk to your left-handed uncle day. Whatever it is, they've got it covered. So, yeah, turbo capitalism. Yeah, Charlotte says, um, I'm, uh, Charlotte is not huge into the dress-up. And um, if Charlotte does dress up, I can put together something with the least effort. I do enjoy... I, you know, uh, Larry, I actually watch... I, I actually enjoy people who put together a costume that's the more thinking one. It's more conceptual. And might right. just be like a hat and a shirt, but like... If you know the in-joke, you get it. Um, but Charlotte does say, um, I do in- enjoy watching some of my favorite films for nostalgia's sakes. Hocus Pocus! Yes! That is an amazing movie. Um, Adam's Family and the like. Um, Zaheer says, to me, Halloween has become getting together with friends, eating candy, and watching some seasonal movie all night. Tonight, I'm doing so virtually with some friends, but we're doing a Sean Connery movie tonight. Probably, welcome to The Rock. Um, that's, uh, that's a great movie. Um, as a Bay Area native, Zaheer, you and I appreciate, um, all the, all the San Francisco moments from that. The Rock is, uh, is a ton of fun. Peanut butter cups. We got to vote here for peanut butter cups. Um, Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, that's good. I think that's a. Um, I should I get paid for that. Have, have they should. They could use that. that. I should get paid for that. Thirty years ago. Forty years ago. Oh, Larry. If we could get paid for all of our little jingles here, um, we would have uh, bring them some back. Change. Yeah. Um, Zaheer <laughs> is a fan of Three Musketeers. Ooh, I do not like Three Musketeers. Um, no, I, I don't like, uh, I don't like two Musketeers. I don't like one. I especially don't like Three Musketeers. <laughs> uh, well, um, Sam, I am. Why don't you tell us about it? Okay. I know. <laughs> um, I am a fan of Snickers, as Scott says. Um, once when I was a kid, my mom got a big, um, a box of Snickers for my cousins and I to eat. Um, like over the course of like a month, um, we ate them in one night. We, we each of had, of course 10. you did. Yeah, of course we did. I found out where my mom was hiding them and I, we each, my, my two cousins were over and we each had three, uh, or we each had 10 snicker bars, like the big ones, Larry, like the real size snicker mm-hmm. bars. Not, not, no, no, nah, no mini. No, yeah. no. No. Nope, fan nope, nope. also, of, uh, Reese's peanut butter cups, especially frozen. I've never done that. I've I freeze candy bars now. I've cookies and cream Hershey's and uh, 
Nestle's Crunch and Crackle bars, I like them frozen because they don't melt. Ooh. They're not soft. They're like brittle and they, yeah. Ooh. But Reese's well, Cups. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I'm going to freeze that some candy and. That eat sounds it. a little bit more uh, <laughs> sensual than I was expecting. So whatever you're going to do with your Reese's Cups, just keep it to yourself. Okay. Uh, Linda says, I'm wearing my comm badge at work today. Um, yes. Oh, no, my comm badge. Um, uh, Linda, I often do that. Um, I often, uh, now I'm all crooked here. Um, I often have my comm badge. <laughs> oh, no, now it fell off. Oh, gosh. Um, the Kelvin timeline is, is decoupling here. Um, oh, great. Now my metal came off. Um, I, I like to wear my comm badge in different situations just, just for fun. It's a great way of, um, of sharing a little bit of Star Trek during the day. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, sh- Linda, I'm just curious how many of your co-workers, does every one of your co-workers recognize it as a Star Trek badge, or do you have some people that just think you're just wearing a pin? I'm curious. Je- Larry, wow. I had no idea. Is um, Jesse just says, um, extra special viewing as sure Sean Connery just passed away today. Oh, I didn't, I haven't seen. That, oh my God. That would explain maybe why Zaheer is watching The Rock. Oh, I had no idea. Um, hmm. Um, I haven't, you know, I was up late and got up early. And yeah, no, I didn't go on social media or news. We were, we, were, we, we do this show at God Awful Time Saturday morning. Oh, no, it's a yeah. wonderful time. <laughs> no, my Saturday mornings is trying to get my daughter fed changed and ready to go and then handing her off to my wife so i can do the show i had no idea that is um that's a loss um sean connery's played so many roles that brought so much joy to um to our lives um uh, um folks what are your favorite sean connery roles uh he's had so many wonderful ones um I think it's hard to top James Bond, and it's also hard to top The Rock, whoever the heck he's playing in The Rock. I don't know the name of the, the character, but, um, you know, Larry, my friend, uh, my friend who I actually went to, um, uh, see the Atlantis launch with, uh, my friend Matt, he did a, um, a study abroad or, or, um, a, a summer in, um, in Scotland. And, uh, one of the first things he did, was um he wanted to go to a traditional scottish bar and he did and you know who he saw there was sean connery (laughs) the first his first day in scotland he walked into a scottish bar and he saw sean connery um and i think he said like well my there's my trip that's this is the peak of my trip this is the peak of my month in scotland that's almost as good as uh, armin sherman letting me into quarks for the first time in at the experience. Are you, wait, I don't know the story. Tell you me You don't the know the story? story? No. So on the gala opening night when there were 5,000 big wigs, you know, middle, little, and big wigs all crammed in the experience. And we're supposed – and there's four – you know, there are four rides at the beginning and it's just the ride. The Klingon encounter was just the ride at the beginning before the Borg. Anyway, so there's everything. They've, they've dropped the curtain. They have the big thing. They have all these studio and vendor and, and, and had big anyone seen it? Pressing. Had you – had you seen photos or anything I'd of it? Work, well, no, I'd, I'd been working there for like a week. I, yeah. I was there early and then came home. Yeah. So, no, I knew stuff inside. 
I'm trying to think if I, but they didn't have the ride working. I hadn't gone on the ride, but I had, Janet was with me. We were coming back from Christmas because it was like the Friday night weekend after New Year's Day. So we were like, and back when we used to drive back and forth Oklahoma over the holidays and the kids were upstairs in the room. They didn't want to mess with it. Ha ha ha. So we're down and we're all in our tuxes and night stuff because it's a gala opening, but there's like so many people. And after a while, it's like, I don't care if you're the vice president of, you know, Dudaville. We can only cram so many people on this ride. And then it was cramming into corks and getting to sit down and order food, much less just get a drink was the same way. And there was just a mile long line to get into corks. And I'm like, well, this is sad. This is ridiculous. So I just broke away. Janet stayed in line. And if you remember, it was a promenade. It was a circular promenade around Forks with the retail shops. And she stayed in line. I don't know. We were probably 30 or 40 or 50 people back. And I just walked around the side just to see what it looked like with people inside and look at the shops. And I just kind of walked down along. And when I got to the back door of Corks, they had doors that opened onto the promenade. Back near the old original stage, I looked up and I saw Armin. And I didn't even think about it, but I saw him and I was like, oh, hi. And it was like nanosecond, like, oh, he can let us in maybe. And he was like, oh, hi. And I said, because we couldn't open the door from the out, but they could push out. Right. So he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So he comes over to the like, they're all they're all, you know, sardine <laughs> too. And he's going to open the door. And I go, let me get Janet. So I like run up. I grab her. I'm like, come on. You're like, get over here. So we like run, get out of the line, run around the side, come in the door, and we're just like, oh my God, thank God somebody let us in. This is awesome. We, you know, we skipped the line. And then as the door shut behind me, it was like, oh my God. My first time to walk into Quarks, and Quark like let me in the door. That's amazing. But I think Uh, your friend Sean Connery's story is awesome too. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. Um, my favorite thing about Quark's Bar is after um, after you order your food, your drink, um, and when they when you get your bill, the Ferengi would say, "And here's your damage report." Um, that just <laughs> I loved that so much. That was one of my favorite parts of Star Trek: The Experience. Um, with Sean Connery, um, I think um, um, Charlotte and Zahir both mentioned Dr. Jones in Indiana Jones. That's probably my favorite role of Sean mm-hmm. Connery's because he was his chemistry with Harrison Ford in um, in The Last Crusade is just phenomenal. Um, it is so much fun to see those those two uh, with each other. That was well. That was Scott just poked me here. The mini, the you talk about your little mini K three a while ago. He's right. Sean Connery's connection to Star Trek. Tell me more. They the, the yes the final frontier. They wanted to cast uh, Lawrence Lukenbill wound up playing Cybok. But Harv Bennett's first, you know, like, Scott, oh, look, we just had this huge budget. The biggest movie of all was Star Trek Four. We're going to plan for this, you know, Blue Sky, and Shatner's going to direct it. They actually approached Sean Connery about playing Cybok. I and that's, totally see that. You did not know that? And Sean I did not Connery know this. You didn't know about Benicio Del Toro as Khan. Um, so I think where the, the universe is writing itself here. We're kind of bringing some balance. Yeah, to the but it's just a Kelvin movie. Um <laughs> You're talking about Star Trek V, my friend. I know, but still, in the in the co- cosmic view of things, Star Trek... No, here's the thing, though. It's some kind of, like, sop to get him to... 
they offer so that you know the the planet of of um uh you know the uh the the Vulcan afterlife planet whatever Shakari Sha- is a corruption of Sean Connery. There you wow. go, guys. Wow. You didn't know. Wow. I love that. Thank you, Scott, for poking me. So, yes, yeah. I wasn't going to think of it in time. Yeah. Oh, uh, before B8 and Shakari. Um, yeah, I can, I can totally see that. Um, wow, folks. Um, what, what a ride it's oh. been, uh, today. <laughs> I, I, I hope this episode has brought you, um, some joy and some that, fun. I said that story, Libby. I'm sorry. Libby said great story. I wish I could have gotten to see Cork's bar. I wish we could all have our life support live, uh, retreat there. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Ali Matu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nimichek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash show. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>